Welcome to the Marketing Spotlight, where we share the career journeys of Michigan State University marketing alumni. I'm your host, Katie Sadler, and today with us, we have Greg Gauthier. Greg graduated from MSU with a major in marketing in 2015 and is now a lead sourcing manager for indirect procurement at Amway. Greg, thank you for joining us and welcome to the Marketing Spotlight. Thanks, Katie. Happy to be here. We're really excited to have you here with us today. Greg, can we just start out with, in two minutes or less, give us an overview of your career path at Amway so far? All right, two minutes or less sounds like a challenge, but here we go. I started out at Amway after interning in procurement for two years. I spent one summer in Grand Rapids and one in Southern California. When I first came to Amway, I was an associate sourcing manager where I was actually supporting market research and beauty brand marketing. I was doing things like managing supplier relationships that supported product launches, advertising campaigns, and a lot of uh, research claims. After doing this for about a year and a half, I got moved into a new role uh, where I took on responsibility for events sourcing. In my opinion, this was probably the coolest procurement job that anybody can have. And I had the opportunity to source and negotiate massive hotel buyouts, exciting Grammy-level talent, and I put together golf and tennis tournaments with professional athletes. Shortly after taking that role, I also took on responsibility of sourcing our travel and basically working with hotel and airlines across the globe for our corporate travel program. After that, I took a bit of a jump and moved into Amway's global sales organization, where I was responsible for instituting a strategic account management program or, or initiative. I was responsible for launching that in Russia, Europe, and India. And this was an awesome role as well. I got to travel a ton, at least for somebody who's born and raised in Michigan. I got to take 20 trips to nine different international cities in less than two years and lived out of a suitcase for a little bit. Now, I just recently, back in October, moved back into indirect procurement, where I'm now responsible for Amway's global digital spend. I'm responsible for our sourcing strategy and also working closely with indirect procurement leadership and our finance team on creating our organization's next generation metrics and our measurement strategy to better align to where our company's going in the future. Okay, so Greg, I have to ask you like the elephant in the room. You are a marketing major, mostly in procurement. So how did you land in procurement and what does it mean to be in procurement for those of us who are less familiar with it? This is kind of a fun one for me. And you mentioned it's the elephant in the room, right? But actually at Amway, our company is indirect procurement organization and our procurement organization as a whole is made up of people with all sorts of backgrounds, right? We have people like me with a marketing degree. We have people with supply chain degrees, finance, engineering. I even have a good friend of mine with a history degree that works in our procurement organization. I'm sure a lot of companies probably have somewhat of a, a restriction, right? Or, or an expectation that you have a supply chain background. But to be completely honest, I think a lot of the success we've had at Amway has more to do with kind of pulling from a wide range of expertise and backgrounds and really seeing where those match up with the goals of our function. We also have a lot of opportunities within our company to take on and, and do more supply chain training, right? So I, I have a Six Sigma certification and things like that, that I've been able to get from Amway at my time uh, on the job. And I think 
The weirder part of the story may not be how I ended up, how our organization is set up, but more so how I ended up working in procurement because it definitely was not on my radar. But oddly enough, I I ended up at Amway because a friend of mine, a sophomore year, came knocking on my door already dressed in a suit saying, hey, I want to go to this networking event, but I don't want to go alone. Will you come with me? And we met some great people. We actually ended up shutting the place down. We were there for a really long time. I met some great people. And the next day I got a phone call saying, hey, will, will you come interview at Amway, which was a company at the time I had never heard of. And in our indirect procurement organization, which was a organization I had never heard of, right? <laughs> so it was a lot of things that I, I didn't really know. But you know, looking back on it six years later, one of the people I met is now my boss. And I would consider all of them really, really close friends. So I think uh, maybe a a quick tip there, right, for for marketing majors is get out there and go to the events. Because to be honest, without my friend knocking on the door, I don't really know where I'd be right now. It's funny because opportunities don't always like knock on your door quite as literally like that. (laughs) Yeah, you got got to network everywhere you can because you don't know what types of opportunities there will be unless you put yourself out there. So Greg, I think a lot of people with a marketing degree might not know enough about supply chain to know what a day-to-day role in supply chain looks like, just because we're a little bit further removed from that function. So can you tell us more about what a day-to-day supply chain job looks like? Procurement and, and specifically indirect procurement where I work, I would say just like anything else, right, is evolving. And, and I think that that's probably the biggest buzzword we, we will probably hear on, on this podcast series, right? I think some people still think of procurement as, as kind of being the bad guy, right? Who's trying to crunch budgets and drive out cost savings and pinch pennies. But in reality, it's just not the case today. When procurement first starts on maybe a more immature category, right? A category that hasn't really been managed by a procurement organization, they're going to look for cost savings. Now, what we're doing is a lot different. I get to work with our supply base and with our marketers every single day on identifying ways that we can collaborate, innovate, and provide a better all overall service to the organizations that we support. Greg, what would you say is one of the most interesting projects you've worked on? In your intro, you were talking about your event sourcing, about another role where you got to travel a lot. Take us deeper into like one of those projects and and what you liked about that project. In 2019, uh, Amway celebrated their 60th anniversary. And to celebrate that, we threw a massive bash in Las Vegas for our top 3,000 plus distributors. For that, I was the lead sourcing manager for the entire project. And, you know, I got to do all those awesome things, right? Like identify high-end talent. I got to work with the hotels. I got to work with awesome restaurants and, and do all of the fun sourcing that I normally get to do in an events project. But in addition to that, uh, and why this project really stands out to me was we got to work with a global supplier selection team that was based up of all of our affiliates around the world. And we really got to ensure that the event we were putting together was going to be enjoyable and applicable for all of the cultures that make up the Amway family. And so through this project, I really learned a lot. And I think it was kind of the most complex project that I had ever worked on and really was just an awesome project to be a part of. 
I also got to meet and network with a lot of people I probably wouldn't normally get to collaborate with in my normal job. It was just an awesome experience. And being a bit of a, a newcomer to the, the company at the time, it was also a great opportunity for me to understand what it's like to have a company that's been around for 60 years. It was a bit of an eye-opening and, and just great project to be a part of. What's really interesting about that project as you're describing it is it sounds very similar to a lot of responsibilities that you might have in a communications marketing role or in an event marketing role as we've talked to different people on this podcast. So it seems like that role really bleeds very well into the marketing space for what you might be doing at other companies in a similar role. Definitely. And that's why I think, uh, as I mentioned, like a lot of what our organization has seen and really been able to build success off of with indirect procurement is identifying people with a specific background for the categories they support. It's very regular to see a former marketer, a former digital media specialist move into a procurement role to then work with that team and the agencies that our company works with. But Katie, that's spot on. And honestly, that's why I get to say, I, I feel like I still get to use my marketing background. I feel like I still use the education I got from MSU in my job every day. Yeah, that's really, really interesting, Greg. What experiences from college do you think prepared you for the career you've held at Amway? I think a lot. College for me was, I think one piece of advice that I got early on in college was treat school like it is a full-time job. Make sure you're in class, you're studying, et cetera. That's 40 hours a week. To be honest, I had never had more than you know, a, a restaurant job before getting to college, which I'm sure is, is the norm for, for most college students. But transitioning to that 40 hours a week in and of itself was difficult, right? I, I'd get bored. I loved but studying and, and trying to take that much time took a lot of discipline. So I'd say that was kind of one piece of it. I think the other thing, just generally be you're in charge, right? When you step foot on campus, you need to take ownership of not only the work that you're doing, but how you're perceived by everyone else. We'll talk about networking, I'm sure. But in my opinion, you're networking the moment you get on campus. I think that a lot of the contacts I have now uh, in a professional setting I can actually kind of route back to my time at MSU. And that's just something I think is really special and, and something that maybe had I realized it as a, a freshman or sophomore, I might've even taken more advantage of my time on campus. Speaking of what you wish you had done in your first couple of years on campus, what advice do you have for students? Michigan State is an awesome place. I still get excited when I get to go back to campus. And honestly, I feel like it's been far too long since I've been back. But one thing that everybody tells you, right, is identify mentors, identify people that you look up to and get advice, right? Seek help. That goes without saying. But what I think maybe is a little bit different is that your mentors don't have to be just your professors, right? Or just e-board members in, in any of your organizations. They can be anybody on campus. And that was something that I, I really identified probably in my last two years at MSU. But an interesting story, and I, I kind of talked about my network and how I really feel I can kind of route it all back to my time at Michigan State was a good friend of mine who, who is a mentor of mine graduated a year ahead of me from MSU. And she called me one day when I was a senior and she was, uh, had already started her professional career, she said, wow, I, 
just met the director of indirect procurement at Amway and she's amazing, right? You're so lucky to be working with her. And I think that that short conversation did two things for me. Number one, it said, okay, I'm this crazy decision to go work in procurement was all right. I'm, I'm making a good decision. And the other thing was, is it pointed me in the direction of one of the people that would have the biggest impact on my career. And that was somebody I reached out to my director the very first day. And I said, you met one of my friends. And, you know, ever since then, I've been so grateful to have her as a, a mentor and, and somebody in my corner. Never take a mentor or relationship for granted. Again, kind of goes without saying. But I think the other thing that I would say, and I think this one's a little bit different, but I would say early in your career is an important time to establish your personal boundaries, specifically with your time. And I don't mean that you shouldn't work as hard as you can to make an impact, but no matter how much you like the work that you do or how passionate you are about your company, there's reasons why we work. We all have hobbies. We all have families. We all have pets. And those are really the reasons why we work hard. And I think in our current environment, when many of us are working virtually, these lines are, are more easily blurred than ever. And I think that that's okay, but I guess my advice or my challenge would be to try to consider managing your time in a way that allows you to do the things and enjoy the things you like outside of work. I'll be honest, this is something that I struggle with and I challenge myself to do, but that's definitely something that I'd recommend even as an intern, right? Make sure you put your hours in, but I know a lot of people at MSU now, you know, maybe shift locations or work with different people. Make sure you're spending time exploring and doing the things outside of work. So Greg, your first piece of advice about mentors, I think is really valuable that you can find a mentor anywhere, but when students or professionals are looking for a mentor, what do you think are some of the important characteristics or considerations that they need to keep in mind when looking for that person? probably try to identify people that are, are very different from you. It's not to say you can't have friends and seek advice from people that are, are very similar. Uh, but one thing that I think we're all so fortunate to be involved and engaged in, whether it be MLAB or, or other organizations, is we get to meet a lot of people that are different and are going to think a lot differently than us. I would say if you can find a mentor who's going to challenge the way that you think is going to tell you when you're wrong or tell you when maybe they would have done something differently. Those are the types of people that you want to have in your corner. I think we're all too comfortable seeking advice from people that we know what we're going to get. So I think when, when you really find that person that, that's going to challenge your path, those are the people that you, you want to make sure you continue to seek advice from. Yeah, that's great advice, Craig. And if you had to pick a magic number for how many mentors someone should have, do you think that there's a right number or is it really up to the individual? I think it's up to the individual. I had mentioned earlier, if you need help or, or if, if you want to try something, I, I think you, you should do it, right? And I, I think you should seek help when you need it. And I am not a, a firm believer that you need to identify like a formalized mentor relationship. I'm a firm believer in uh, identifying people who you know you can go to, seek help from them as it's needed. I do realize there's value in having a formal mentor-mentee relationship, but personally, I, I think there's just as much value in being able to seek help from anyone when you need it. I'm also in a position where 
I work with people every single day that have a ton of subject matter expertise. So I feel like I'm in a position where I need to capture more of that from others, right? So I, I'm learning and going through that process of identifying mentors every single day because I recognize there's something I can gain from the people I get to talk to every single day. In my opinion, I, I don't think there's a magic number. There we go. Uh, Greg, I have one last question for you today. What is one thing that you learned at MSU that has stuck with you and potentially changed the way you approach your career? I got to study abroad with Dr. Carroll. I remember there was one day, I, I want to say it was our last night in Paris, and there was one thing that he did, and, and he did this a few times kind of throughout, you know, taking Marketing 300 and you know, whenever everybody would get kind of tired or the lecture was getting a little long, you know, he'd try to do things to, to, to try to rouse the crowd a little bit. And there was one thing he asked us to do, and that was, all right, I want everybody to raise, you know, raise your hand. And I'm sure other people have heard of this too. So when everybody in the class, they raise their hand and he goes, all right, now raise it a little bit higher. Right. And then he does it one more time. He says, okay, now raise it as high as you can. And then a fourth time higher. And each time, right, you learn that you can raise your hand a little bit higher. And I think that that's something that really just stuck with me is, you know, you think that you've done enough and you still have more to give, right? Or, or you think that you've, you've done everything you can on a project, but there's still more out there. And maybe that might not be the most applicable to a career, but to me, at least in my life and the relationships that I have with my family and, and my coworkers, I, I try to keep that kind of in the back of my mind at all times. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciated your time and learning more about how marketing and procurement really aren't that different necessarily. You got it. Thank you so much, Katie. Absolutely. And for our listeners who are interested in connecting with Greg, you can find him on LinkedIn. Make sure you also check out our other episodes of the Marketing Spotlight to learn more about where MSU marketing alumni are today. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and almost anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time.